Hello, hello, and welcome to All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Miracle. Jacob. What's up, Michelle? It's spooky out there, right? I know. Spooky time. It's that time of the year, man. I got goosebumps all the time. I just, it needs to cool down a smidge. Don't at me. I don't want to hear about it. I like it to be cooler in October. Yeah, you know, I, I don't mind warm weather. But 80 degrees in October, that's a bit much to me. Boo. That's getting a straight up boo from me. The greatest boogeyman in the world. Climate change is coming. (laughs) You are going to be like Raleigh, North Carolina, Buffalo. That's that's legit, people. Um, But, you know, I want to do like I bought my pumpkins. Um, but I want to be home in a sweater and a knit hat with the windows open. Are you a pumpkin carver or do you paint your pumpkins? What is Ew. It? People, it's a thing, man. Ew, how dare you? Um, I you, carve my pumpkins. I'm with you there. It's, I think it's weird when people just do the pumpkin painting, but it is be gaining in popularity these days. People well, people don't like the guts, the guts of the pumpkin. That's like the funnest part. I know, isn't it, though? You get to feel like a monster. <laughs> Except when your pumpkin's been outside and it's cold October, and then you're like, these guts are negative 20 degrees my hands are freezing but now i'm a pumpkin carver yo oh, the best the i do best. i mean i gotta say i really do i lean into it watch the scary things watch mm-hmm. scary shows um I'm, I'm read good. scary books oh yeah get, get them all going man it's the time of the year well it depends on which which uh of the big <laughs> franchises are gonna watch this year you're gonna go halloween friday the 13th or i Night try to do fresh stuff Okay. Like things that I've never seen and then maybe put in some classics um, that I somehow missed along the way. Oh, so I have um, Candyman at home. I've never seen the original Candyman. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Right? Don't, don't forget to check out Malignant, man. You're going to love I am, that I am. One. We actually just looked and it's leaving HBO the 10th. Yep. So we so will got, watch it. Better do it, man. This weekend. I can't. I cannot wait for your reaction. Yeah, no, that's oh, going to happen. God. That's going to happen Friday <laughs> or Saturday. Um, but I really get into scary books. I don't read them any other time of year except October. Although, unpopular opinion, what is up with everybody loving Stephen King? I am currently reading Salem's Lot, and I know it's his early book, but bro can't write. No, Stephen King cannot write. I have said this His for ideas are great. The best. They're the like best. the best idea, but I don't understand. Like his books must get better as he grows no. because this book, I'm like, okay, the dialogue is awful, the characters are awful, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the the descriptions are awful, mm-hmm. the atmosphere is not good. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. All true. Well, that's what they call. Uh, I wrote this book while high on cocaine. I mean, I do know that this was at the peak of his very destructive phase. But I got to say, Salem's Lot, I'm just like, yowza, let's uh, wrap it up. Here's the thing, man. We're going to do vampires. We're going to do vampires in an entire town, and then we're going to be all over the place. And how long has the book got to be? It's not going to be 200, it's going to be 800 pages. And then he's into, like, pulp. So he's very, like, leaning into that, like, pulpy sort of, like, hey there, mister. We're hunting. And he just says he makes up really weird words. Also, like, and again, times are different, but he's leaning in. To a lot of stereotypes and negative terminology. Oh, we'll oh, oh, <laughs> so. yeah, think. Yeah, it's a little rough. Uh, anytime you see a Stephen King book, I'm like, well, unless Frank Darabont's going to come at this thing, I don't know if I want to check it out. It's wild, too, because his son, Joe Hill, I love his books. I'm a yeah, really his, son's big a, fan. his son's a much better writer. You know what yeah. it probably was? His son went to like college for writing and didn't just come out and maybe. I mean, stuff. it's just different now, though. Yeah. Like, writing is different than it was when he was crafting this in the 70s. 
just like films, all things have evolved. Because, you know, I think he was a newer writer and they were like, well, we're going to let him grow. And again, I haven't read recent books. They could be great. But now I feel like it's unfortunate they don't let writers grow. You kind of got to no. come out with a good book. I actually was looking up Stephen King on Wikipedia the other day. You want to know how much he's worth? Like, what's his net worth? Oh, I don't even have a guess. Five hundred million dollars. Wow. Good for you, Stephen King. Now go take a writing class, bro. Work, work, <laughs> on, work on your diction. A There's little no bit. point now. But I mean, great literature is like the is the best. It can introduce us to so many amazing things. We get passionate romances. We're all about mm-hmm. unforgettable plot twists. Mm-hmm. I think that the best is seeing reading really fantastical elements, but they feel really real within your imagination. Absolutely. Um, but carefully crafted novels can also keep us up at night and really chill us to the bone and, you know, horrify us beyond our nightmares, which is what we want. That's what some it, of us. That's what we want for this time of year, guys. I don't want to be walking around all like not nervous in October. That's exactly. crazy. Give me my anxiety. I mean, I know that some people really avoid scary stories, but others live for horror. And I think they like that mini adrenaline rush and some like skin crawling scenes are just really irresistible to people. And I'm one of them only in October. Only in October. Otherwise, I don't want it. So the horror genre really began to gain popularity in the 1960s thanks to a few extremely successful books. And then it really morphed into what we see now that we're not getting as many horror novels as other novels, but there are a ton a ton out there. Oh, my God. They, yeah, and they're just going to start, like, pumping them out this time of year. Like, anything the publishers were sitting on that even had the hint of supernatural, it's coming out. That's just it. Like, I think horror can really be marked by if it's unsettling, if it's creepy, if there's menacing scenes. Anything that evokes a psychological reaction in the reader, I think they're like, well, you can kind of label this horror. Mm-hmm. So that works. So today, Jacob and I are going to talk about some books that fit into that, but we have them broken down into very specific horror genres that will fit your every need. That's right. No matter what kind of book or what kind of horror you like, guys, we're going to have something. We're going to have it. You. We're going to aim for four books in each category, right? Is that what we're doing? You know what, Michelle? You bet we're going to do it. Okay. Right. okay. So the first of our horror subcategories is serial killers who need to calm down. Take take a breath, guys. That's Relax. it. So the characteristics of this subgenre are going to be killers with absurdly complicated MOs and then, you know, long games of cat and mouse. Um, just kind of a, the, a death tableau that took an impressive amount of work to set up. So that's what we're going with. The first one, this book is out now. Uh, Very popular. A lot of holds on it, so get them in. It's called Chasing the Boogeyman by Richard Chismar. Great name. (laughs) You like? You like? I do. The old Chismar? Um, So this book is in the summer of 1988. The mutilated bodies of several missing girls begin to turn up in small town um, in Maryland. And this really grisly evidence leads police to the terrifying assumption that there is a serial killer loose in this quiet suburb. But soon a rumor begins to spread that the evil stalking the local teens is not entirely human. So the law enforcement and the FBI, they're certain that the killer is a living, breathing human madman and that he's kind of messing with them. So now enter recent college graduate Richard Chismar. There he is. He returns to his hometown just as a curfew is enacted and a neighborhood watch is formed. And in the midst of preparing for his wedding Mm -hmm. and embarking on a writing career, 
he soon finds himself thrust into the real-life horror story. So this is inspired by terrifying events, and Richard is writing a personal account of the serial killer's reign of terror, unaware that these events will continue to haunt him for years to come. This, if you're confused because you're like, it's a novel, but the writer's in it, it is a really clever and terrifying um, work of metafiction. Mm -hmm. So Chasing the Boogeyman is like the ultimate marriage between horror fiction and true crime. It did seem to have like that in the mouth of madness vibe where you got like an author is kind of like showing up in his own work kind of deal. Yes, because it's like the true crime aspect, but it's also a work of fiction. Um, it sounds totally awesome. I have a Holden on it. I've read that it's really compelling. It's immediately poignant, and it sounds like a really, really good time. So I hope that it lives up to that. All right. Well, I do too. I'm sure it will because if it's not, we're nobody's going to care. But we're recommending it. So you, if we're telling you it's good, everybody, you bet your, you bet your bottom dollar it's going to be. Okay. Yes. I like that. <laughs> All right. So you know what I went with? I went with uh, a book by Chelsea Summers because I went by the old blockbuster model. I was like, hey, this cover looks pretty awesome. Okay. So why don't we check it out? So this one is called A Certain Hunger. So kind of gives you an idea what it might be about. Hunger for death? <laughs> Possibly. Could it be? Okay. So this one uh, follows Dorothy Daniels, who is a food critic, who is one of the top food critics in the country. Mm -hmm. So she is so good and so particular that she has actually made herself into a top-level chef. So now she's probably better than half of the people whose food she is evaluating. Mm. So... What happens when a person is good at everything and starts to believe themselves superior to everybody around her? Uh-oh. That's right. That's where malice starts to come in no, everybody. No, not malice. So Dorothy decides, you know what? I'm better than everybody else. Why shouldn't I start killing people and, <laughs> oh, okay. and eating them and going all Dr. Lecter on them? Wow, I mean, that escalated quickly. Sure. We, we've all had that thought every once in a while. <laughs> but this lady decided, hey, I'm good enough at it. I'm going to start doing it. The cover of this book is just a lady standing there, like, hiding a heart, like, underneath her arm. Okay. And I'm, like, talking about, like, straight up gripping that thing Mortal Kombat style. Okay. I was, like, this book looks awesome. I know it's going to be on a TV show when it, or a movie when they, uh, of course. when it comes out. And it's I, anything that's taking down the place. I've had a longstanding feud with food critics. Like me and the guy for the what? Buffalo News. Yeah, we just going back and forth all the time. This is a real thing. Oh, sure, sure. We'll we'll say yes for that one. Okay. Um, but this one is like supposed to be looked down. The way that's um, recommended by a lot of people that have checked it out is that it is a satiric takedown of the foodie community, which hmm. I am always interested in because you know I think French fries are good all the time. I don't need to know the difference between canola oil and other kind of frying techniques. I'm just learning so many interesting things about mm -hmm. you every you day. Didn't, yeah, nobody expected you were going to get an episode taking down the food critic community. But, I didn't. All right. I um, got it. But yeah, Certain Hunger by Chelsea Summers. Get your cannibal on and check out the book. It's going to be pretty fun. <laughs> okay. And then I want to talk about The Devil Aspect by Craig Russell. This is taking place in Czechoslovakia in 1935. We have Victor. He's a newly trained psychiatrist and he studied under Carl Jung and he arrives at the infam infamous Hrad Orlu Asylum for the Criminally Insane. This facility is located in a medieval mountaintop castle surrounded by forests. Metal. Right. Um, on a site that is well known for concealing dark secrets going back many centuries. Um, the asylum houses six inmates. 
They're like the country's most treacherous killers and known to the public as the Devil's Six. So Victor intends to use a new medical technique to prove that these patients share a common like archetype of evil. Okay. Okay. It's a phenomenon that he calls the devil aspect. Yet, as he begins to learn some of the secrets of these patients, he must face this unnerving possibility that these six may share a darker truth. So it's going to really get into like the idea of multiple serial killers, what links them. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Medieval castle in the mountain. Like, you're just asking, you are asking for trouble. Yeah. Uh, you just go, Fact. if you walk into anywhere and you see a medieval castle in the Fact. distance, yeah, you're just like, uh, <laughs> why don't we turn around? We're turn go around back. immediately. It's not going to be good. Vampires or mad scientists or Frankensteins. That's just around. where they like to live. These are just facts. We're, we can't, we can't make it up. <laughs> All right. So, you know what I'm going to go with? Mm-hmm. It's called A God in the Shed. By J.F. Dubois. Ooh, I like the title. It's a good title. So it's described as a rich gothic story of murder and mystery in the vein of True Detective. I can only hope that they mean the first season. They do. And not the second. Everyone means the first season. It's a good point. When somebody says True Detective, that's all they're ever talking about. So the village of San Ferdinand has all the trappings of a quiet life. Farmhouses, uh, small police precincts, few diners and cafes. Not a whole lot going on. The only thing that might be um, a little surprising to people if they visited this town, Michelle, mm-hmm. they got a huge cemetery. Cemetery way oh. too big for all the people living Uh-oh. there. That's never a good thing. No. So why? There is a killer called the St. Ferdinand Killer. You probably could have put more uh, idea into the <laughs> name, but, you know, whatever. So he's been killing people for over 20 years now, and this whole cemetery is just lined with his victims oh, wow. all over the place. So when Inspector Stephen Crowley finally catches this killer, the town discovers that there are even darker forces at play when a dark spirit begins to reveal itself to one of their residents, and maybe Ooh. things are about to take a darker turn or it's going to be a little Darker cyclical. than a serial killer who's filled the whole cemetery. I like it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's got to do escalation, right? Um, I just love that setup, man. There's going to be some supernatural hijinks yeah. in there. There's going to be some murder, some mayhem. Going to have a guy named Crowley. That's always good in a, in a right? um, horror book. They know what they're doing. So, yeah, go check it out, guys. God in the Shed. Find out if there really is a God in the Shed. My guess, there just might be. <laughs> I hate your hot takes. Uh, okay, let's go to another subgenre. How about some houses with uncomfortable secrets? Oh, don't come to my place. There's a lot there. I'm tell you. <laughs> Characteristics of this subgenre are going to be the sins of the past popping up to bite people in the present, houses that were possibly just born bad, and then, you know, brand new starts for families that they don't go terrifically. Mm-hmm. It's not the way they want. Mm-hmm. The first one I'm going to mention is Kill Creek by Scott Thomas. Cool book. Oh, okay. So at the end of a dark prairie road, nearly forgotten in the Kansas countryside, is the Finch House. So for years, of course, it's remained empty and overgrown and abandoned. Of course. This, but the door is about to be open for the first time in decades. Someone's coming in, but something is waiting, lurking in the shadows, anxious to meet its new guests. So we have best-selling horror author Sam. He is invited to spend Halloween night in one of the country's most infamous haunted houses, and he reluctantly agrees. Um, He's not going alone. He's joined by like three other people, writers who have helped shape modern horror books. So they're all like, oh, heck yeah, we're going to spend a night in this quote-unquote haunted house. We also call these people uh, dead meat. That's (laughs) that's correct. But what begins as a simple publicity stunt is going to become a fight for survival um, because the entity that they have awakened will follow them 
torment them, mm-hmm. threatening to make them part of this legacy of Kill Creek. Perfect horror book. I mean, yeah, perfect setup, perfect horror book. You know, there's going to be some uh, some bad stuff going down. And yeah. You, oh, you love it. I God. like the house ones. The house ones, yeah. Definitely. I'm currently watching that, um, The Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh, the, the uh, Mike Flanagan second show. I'm enjoying it. Oh, did you hear? He, he announced, uh, first of all, Midnight Mass. Awesome. No, we watched the one. first episode and it was god-awful. He actually announced his uh, next show, too. He's going to do The Fall of the House of Usher next. Oh, cool. So that should be good. I'm definitely enjoying his you get, stuff. You, you turned off a Mike Flanagan show after the first episode. you got to get we in there, baby. We might go back for the second episode, but it was it was not good, I felt. He, well, it's not really a ghost story. We're not going to spoil Midnight Mass for you, everybody, but it's it's a thing. Okay. Um. So houses in um, secluded areas, you know what? Mm. You must have read my mind, Michelle. Okay. Because the next book I'm going with is The Hollows by Mark Edwards. Mm. So this one is, with his marriage over and his career in freefall, journalist Tom decides to connect, reconnect with his 14-year-old daughter, Frankie. It's tough. That's the horror story right there. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you. <laughs> so what do you do when you want to reconnect with your 14-year-old daughter and mm. not get murdered? Tell me about it. You go to a, a resort deep in the woods in Maine. Seems like an idea for me. Not Maine. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Speaking of Stephen King. From the outset, there's something a little eerie about this place. Whispers, wind chimes through the forest. But when Tom meets true crime podcasters David and Connie, he receives a chilling warning. Mm. Hollow Falls has a gruesome history. Mm. There was a double murder in this very resort 20 years ago. And it's the anniversary. Oh, man, you don't want to learn that. That stinks. So then Tom is like, oh, that's not cool. So he takes a dream trip, turns into a nightmare as him and his daughter are faced with a choice, uncover the truth or get out while they still can. Mm-hmm. I have, I'm not saying that things are not going to go well, but I don't think it's going to go well. <laughs> okay. So if you're ever faced with, remember, if you're ever in deep in the woods and supernatural stuff starts happening, Let's get out of here, guys. We don't. We need to hang out. This you know, bo- the book sounds cool, though. Do you know what I learned so quickly in this episode? What's that? That we're never going to be able to do four books in each of these categories. Yeah, yeah, we're like already <laughs> running out of time. But I like the, we started out with the best intentions. We did. Um, <laughs> I am going to do another House with Uncomfortable Secrets one. This is The Death of Jane Lawrence by Caitlin Starling. Um, we've got it's very practical and unassuming Jane, and. She has done the calculations in life here, and she has decided that the most secure path forward is this. A husband in a marriage of convenience who's going to allow her to remain independent and occupied with meaningful work. That's all she cares about. So her first choice is this dashing but kind of reclusive doctor, Augustine Lawrence, and he agrees to her proposal. He's like, marriage of convenience sounds great. He only has one condition. Uh She must never visit Lindridge Hall which is his crumbling family manor. He's like pointing. He's like, you see that creepy, suspicious house over there? Don't Don't, go there. Don't go in there. (laughs) Um, Yet on their wedding night, an accident strands her at his door in a pitch black rainstorm, and she finds him changed. So gone is the kind of bold and courageous surgeon, and in his place is this terrified, paranoid man who cannot tell reality from Nightmare, and he kind of fears that Jane is like an apparition that's come to haunt him. So by morning, he's himself again, but Jane is like, there's something really wrong with Lindridge Hall doy. Yeah, you think? And with this man that she's like just bound herself to without really knowing him. So this is a new kind of gothic horror. Um, and yeah, I think it's going to leave readers a little shaken. It's very atmospheric, a little unsettling, at times downright brutal. 
Um, but definitely great pick for the month. Oh, absolutely. Are you, all these, all these, all these crit crom ghost books, man. Let me tell you. I know. Actually, speaking of ghosts, do you want to move to our next category, or do you love yeah. your other haunted house book? Nah, ha- Haunting of Auburn House, everybody, by uh, Darcy Coates. Yeah, if you saw, if you saw what haunt, Haunting of Hill House, it's probably gonna be the same kind yeah. of deal. If you like that, go check it out, man. It's gonna be good. Let's move on. Jacob's gonna give us. Let's do ghosts with bad boundaries. So the characteristics of this subgenre are gonna be insistent ghosts. Who are not letting the veil of death prevent them from uh, having stuff to do. And why would you? Let me ask you. I'm, <laughs> I know I'm going to be coming bugging Michelle after I die. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it would be impossible to ignore you then as it is now. Um, yeah, ain't that the truth? <laughs> so I think I'm going to go with Cassandra Cause, Nothing But Blackened Teeth, because, man, that's a cool title right there, let me tell you. Oh, that cover is the worst. Oh, it's the best, man. It is a horrifying cover. Look it up. So scary. Look, I can tell you're going to get some Japanese horror in this one, man, because that's definitely Legit what you're going to get. scary cover. So, uh, a Hayan, I don't know how to pronounce that word, but hmm? I'm going to say Hayan era mansion stands abandoned, its foundations resting on the bones of a bride, and its walls packed with the remains of the girl's sacrifice to keep her company. Well, now, he's got to sacrifice somebody. I mean, if you want to be a ghost, you got to have yourself some minions, yeah, right? I guess so. <laughs> it's, and of course, with that kind of idea, of course, it's the perfect wedding venue for a group of thrill-seeking <laughs> friends. Because, I mean, who wouldn't Dummies. want... Dummies! Yeah, seriously, guys, come on. But a night of food, drinks, and games quickly spirals into a nightmare for lurking in the shadows is the ghost bride with a black smile and a hungry heart. Oh, man. Hungry heart. You know what? Keep going. I like, I'm liking it. <laughs> Um, yeah, like Michelle said, this is another one of my blockbuster picks because it has a cool cover and yeah. this is the description. We started getting the Japanese ghost now. I am all about it, man. That, those are the best kind of ghost stories. Cool cover. Awesome little idea on the uh, description. Go check it out, everybody. It's going to be I a lot mean, of fun. I mean, any ghost haunting is great. Um, I have to bring up Joe Hill. I do love him. Um, heart-shaped box. This is about an aging, self-absorbed rock star, Judas Coyne. Um, and he has a thing for the macabre. His collection includes, he owns sketches from the infamous serial killer John Wayne Gacy. Mm-hmm. He owns a skull uh, from the 16th century, a uh, used hangman's noose, Aleister Crowley's childhood chessboard, mm. etc. This weird, is what he's it's a into. a weird little gift to get. So when his assistant tells him about a ghost for sale <laughs> on an online auction site, he immediately puts in a bid. And he purchases it. How much would you bid on a ghost? I mean, (laughs) nothing for me. So this black heart-shaped box that Coin receives in the mail not only contains the suit of a dead man, but also his vengeance-obsessed spirit. Yay! Awesome! The ghost, it turns out, is the stepfather of a young groupie who committed suicide after the 54-year-old Coin callously used her up and threw her away. So now he's determined to kill Coin and anyone who aids him. Oh, Isn't that awesome? That's a pretty cool, um, cool idea going yeah, on. Yeah, definitely. We also call this the Ronnie James Dio story because probably what happened to that dude that he disappeared so, <laughs> so quickly. It's called the get what the get what you got coming story. <laughs> oh, it's so cool, man! I'm loving these ideas today because I don't really get a chance to read many horror books, so I'm liking that we got oh some. Oh my gosh! Uh, I mean, October's here. not long enough for it, mm. and then I will literally put in like seven holds, and Andrew's always like, Michelle. I'm sorry, but you can't read seven books in this month. And I was like, it's true, I can't. It's really sad. And then you text him and you're like, Andrew, 
I'm at work right now. Who are you talking to? I'm not even in the house. <laughs> that was a good idea. Oh, I just came up with a real good idea for my own <laughs> ghost book. <laughs> Write that down. Uh. All right, so why don't we uh, check another category here. I got something with spooked kids doing their best. Ooh, spooked kids doing their best. So we're going to do the characteristics of this subgenre are going to be children seeing the unfiltered horrors of the world, but, you know, before any child should have to. Yeah. Which... So... The forces of darkness might be bad babysitters, mm-hmm. monstrous changes in the body, oh. things of that nature, not just metaphors for puberty. Um, it's a good category. What do you got for us? All right. So I know we said we're doing good authors here. Uh-oh. <laughs> but I had to bring out a Stephen King book because, you know, okay, what are you going to do? So uh, this one is called uh, Later by Stephen King. Later? It's not even familiar to me. Oh, well. Then you're going to like this description. Let me tell you. All right. So the son of a struggling single mother, Jamie Conklin, just wants an ordinary childhood. Don't we all, man? But Jamie is no ordinary child. Born with an unnatural ability, his mom urges him to keep secret. Jamie can see what no one else can and learn what no one else can learn. Um, But the cost of using this ability is pretty high as he discovers discovers when an NYPD detective draws him into a pursuit of a killer who's threatening to strike from beyond the grave. Starting those dead killers. Yeah, it's got like a nice little. Do you remember that movie? Oh, God, that Denzel Washington movie was like jumping between. It was a serial killer jump between people. Fallen, I believe it was called. Mm, Not really. Oh, well, it's a pretty good Denzel movie. Check it out. Um, But the idea of um, serial killers coming back from beyond the grave, I'm sure it's all going to work out for our lead antagonist. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to be fine. I'm sure he's not at all going to get, you know possessed by some killer ghost and have to spout terrible dialogue. Sometimes we like to keep the kids alive, though. Like Sometimes. The ghosts can't affect them as well, unless you read um, My Best Friend's Exorcism by Grady Hendrix. This oh. was my first book that I read to start off spooky season, and I can't lie, I started the last week of September. I was very How eager. How dare you get an early start? I read this description, and I couldn't help it. It's called The Unholy Hybrid of Beaches and the Exorcist. Go on. (laughs) Are we going to see Bette Midler's head spin around? It had the best (laughs) cover I've ever seen. I bought it just – I was in the bookstore, and I was like, I'm just buying this book literally because I love the cover. So the year is 1988. We have high school sophomores, Abby and Gretchen. They've been best friends since fourth grade. Um – but after an evening of skinny dipping goes disastrously wrong. Oh, as it usually does. Gretchen gets lost in the woods. They don't see her all night. And then they find her in the morning, and she's acting different. She is moody. Mm-hmm. She's irritable. Mm-hmm. And these bizarre incidents keep happening whenever she's nearby. So Abby's investigation leads her to some really startling discoveries um, about what maybe happened to Gretchen. And by the time that the story reaches, it's really we're going to say terrifying conclusion, even though it's lightly terrifying. The fate of Abby and Gretchen will be determined by a single question. Is their friendship powerful enough to beat the devil? My guess, probably not, but I like to think that it will be. This book, it was really clever and campy and heartfelt. Every chapter was named after an 80s song. Um, It had some images throughout. There's a playlist on Spotify that you can jam along to the chapter titles. It's cute. So, again, it's not, like, super horrifying, but it's a great ghost story, um, and I really enjoyed it. Super good time. Thinking of uh, the name Gretchen and, you know, horrifyingly terrible names, mm. do you want to know a little secret, Michelle? Sure. Do My dad uh, did not want to name me Jacob. He had a different name of mine. My mom completely overrode him and told him absolutely not. So people wonder why I don't like my dad. He originally wanted to name me 
Ebenezer, and that is a 100% horrifying fact in my past. Ebenezer, it's cute. I'd call you Ebby. Oh, don't I might just this. call you Ebby anyway. I would be in jail at this point because <laughs> I'd be like, don't be calling me Ebenezer, man. No, I don't. I will not give you a raise. I don't know who Bob Cratchit is. Get out of my face. I mean, some names have just uh, been ruined over time. Um, So I'm sure because you've actually, you know, dug deep on your last pick and read it. I'm just going to mention uh, Beneath the Rising by Nick Prasad. If you want to get your Cthulhu in, this is the book to do it, Oh, my Cthulhu. I want that in. Okay, so my final pick, um, this was one of my Halloween picks last year. It's called A Head Full of Ghosts by Paul Tremblay. Hey, who was writing my autobiography? What? Who was writing? (laughs) (laughs) That seems accurate. So this is about a family, the Barretts. They're normal suburban New England family. And they're torn apart when their 14-year-old daughter, Marjorie, she begins to display signs of acute schizophrenia. Mm. And her parents are, like, super upset. The doctors are unable to stop her descent into madness. And their house is just devolving into this house of horrors because she is, like, losing it. And they reluctantly turn to a local Catholic priest for help. Mm. Um, Father Wanderley suggests an exorcism because he believes she doesn't have schizophrenia, that she's a victim of demonic possession. Of course. And then he contacts a production company that's eager to kind of record the whole thing. And her father's been out of work. They have no money. They have all these medical bills looming. So they're like, well, we hate this, but we agree to be filmed as you perform this exorcism on our daughter. And now they're the stars of this hit reality television show The Possession Um, and then you know it just sort of explodes into tragedy and what the story is is 15 years later a writer is interviewing Marjorie's younger sister so she's kind of telling us the story um, and her memories and the ideas of reality and science and religion and the very nature of evil and yeah great book oh that sounds awesome man I I love these kind of ideas it's good. It's definitely good. It's different, which is what drew me to it, and it's definitely worth the read. All right. So much good stuff, but why don't you plug us up? So, you know, if you are a um, writer who's doing research on 15-year-old murders and such, and you're about to interview a daughter, do you know where the good place to get started is? Mm. Your local library. We wow. have 37 branches all across Erie County. Stop on by, say, hey, I want to find out who got murdered in my house 15 years ago. The librarian will wink at you and say, let's go this way. Please do your research before you have an entity attached to you. Thank That's you very right. much. Remember, everybody, this is where they got those microfiches things that always <laughs> save people's lives. Um, also, don't forget to visit our website at www.buffalolib.org. See what kind of Halloween hijinks we're going to have going on at your local place. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at AllBookedUpPod as me and Michelle share our thoughts on all the horror films and books we're going to check out this year. Oh, yeah. So here's some scary real-life facts. Did you know that before the advent of cups and bowls that people in ancient England used hollowed-out human skulls to hold their food and drink? Rank. Oh, why does that not surprise me? I mean, come on, England. <laughs> you could have just, you could just scoop out, just hold leaves, hold food, get out of here. Especially once I learned that a human head remains conscious for around 20 seconds after being decapitated. Yeah, that sounds like a good time to me, man. You're like, is my head being used for cereal? <laughs> this what, seems what? terrible. You're like, you're pro- I like the idea that you have like a narration. It's like, I bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> okay, also in the future, never say you're being eaten alive by no. mosquitoes again, Mm-mm. because this was an actual method of execution. So it's called scopism. It was an ancient form of torture and execution where you would cover someone with honey 
stick them in a hollowed log and let nature run its course. That's pretty rad, dude. I like that. Rad? That is beyond I, upsetting. I think I just came up with like a, a little death in my upcoming book, man. Wow, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Super scary. And then this one, I was like, I just can't in this world. Pine trees mm-hmm. have proven they can grow inside the human body. Oh, So boy. doctors in Russia recently well, went into surgery to remove what they thought was a tumor. And it turned out to be a fir tree growing in the man's lungs. This Yikes. is real. I found the article. What the heck? I, mm, yep, mm. no words for that. But uh, that's you, enough to take with you and be nice and haunted regardless of what you read and just watch. A, just but, a chilling fact. Ooh, geez. Ugh. For real. But, uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. And we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.